2: Um, hello everyone, uh, today we are going to be reading out of Ensign to the Nations, Volume 2 um, I believe we are on Chapter 8, Joseph Smith and the Keys um, It is July 20th, uh, Tuesday, July 20th um, And I haven't opened up the studio on my tablet yet Um, I'm in the process of opening it up right now. (laughs) Anyway, so, um, I have to unmute everyone, I think. Uh, Okay. No, everyone who's here is unmuted. Are you there, Dad?
3: Yeah, I'm here, but I'm by the mine... So, oh, I don't know how well my signal's coming through. I don't know where Mom is. She said she was going to call in, but that was a couple minutes ago, and I still don't hear on the studio. What pages are we going to be reading tonight?
2: Um, I have to open up the book to it. Um, I know in the book we are on Chapter 8, Yeah. But it got closed, and no one put the thing in it, which is annoying.
3: Oh, okay. So Um, you're the only one that reads from it, so...
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I'll just tell you what
3: pages... You have 129 to 154. We'll probably have to do two or three parts to this. There's a lot of content to read. And a lot of commentary to be had, but um, we will figure out whether we're doing more, multiple parts at the end of the program. So Kim is on now, and I'm unmuting her. Hello, my I wife just did. of nine years. Oh. Are you there, Kim? Did we both unmute her at the same time, and then it unmuted her and muted her?
2: I don't know. Okay, you Uh, do it. says
4: she's unmuted here. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. (laughs) It wasn't a you thing. It was a connection thing with my headset.
3: Oh, Oh, okay. okay. Did you make it home?
4: Yeah. 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 Lydia's throwing hay. Amber and Eliza are bringing in stuff. I already did hay.
3: Okay.
4: Oh, you did? Oops. Lydia's doing it again. Oh, well, the ghosts will be happy. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah. <laughs> so today is uh, Kim and I's n- uh, ninth anniversary. So happy <laughs> anniversary, Kim and Emmett and Lydia, because that day I became a dad of two children and a husband to my wife, Kim. So nine years ago. Way before ever. Doing, way before I started <laughs> doing any of this uh, ministry... Or way before, I didn't even know, I didn't know who I was at the time. Like, I didn't know that. I knew I had the experience with the Father and the Son, but no idea what the foreordained mission for was.
5: Right
3: Sorry, um, you know. And I remember Kim and I were joking about, next thing you know, you're going to be, The one mighty and strong, because my aunt actually got revelation that I was the one mighty and strong, which drives me a little bit nuts because it doesn't say the one mighty and strong. It says, I will send one mighty and strong. Um, There's a mystery there. When I was uh, taken up by the Father and shown who I am and why I was called, um, I actually saw 15 who were mighty and strong, which included the Father God the Creator, the Redeemer was Yeshua, and God the Witness, who was mighty and strong, and that there were others who were mighty and strong. It's like a quorum of 12 apostles, Uh, and then there were the mighty, uh, the noble and great ones underneath them. So, but when we got married, no idea, no idea about any of this stuff. So anyway, but... um, and I, at the time, I thought Joseph Smith was God the witness or the Holy Ghost, which I later found out actually contradicts Section 130 in the Doctrine and Covenants. And, uh, well, he was an Elias, but we'll talk about that in the program. So, Kim, would you mind – I have to jump out of the truck real quick um, – would you mind offering up a prayer? And then Emmett uh, can
1: start with the reading for tonight.
3: Okay. Okay, I'll mute myself while I'm doing what I have to do.
4: Okay. Our beloved Father in heaven, we come before thee this eve and give thanks and praise to thee. We're grateful for the homes that thou has given us. We're grateful for the families, friends, and all the people that thou has guided us to be able to meet and to learn from and as well as light enlighten others we're grateful father for the guidance that thou hast given us over the years and so grateful for um what you have had in store for us which is greater than what i ever envisioned and i am truly grateful to thee lord we're thankful tonight that we can have the time to set apart a little bit of time to be able to learn and to read, uh, to interact with one another, and learn with other people. We are grateful, God, to all of the people who listen and who support and help out uh, with our learning. And we are grateful for all the things that thou hast done for us. We ask the blessing, please, on this night that you would please help us all to have thy spirit to be with us and understand and be able to know what it is that that would have us learn we ask a blessing on all the listeners and everyone who is um, able to listen later on also uh, a blessing that you will help them in their own needs their spiritual ones as well as their physical needs and we ask Thee to watch over and protect us, help us to be able to do what it is that Thou needs us to do to bring about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, and we ask uh, You to help us tonight with the the words that we speak, that they are from Thee and of Thee, and we just thank Thee and love Thee and hope that we are able to do all the things that thou hast commanded us to do. And these things we pray for and give thanks for in thy holy name and in the name of thy Son, Yeshua, even Jesus the Christ. Amen. So, I guess
2: I'm going to start reading. <laughs> okay, we are in Ensign to the Nations, Volume 2, Holy Priesthood, Volume 6. Uh, on page 976 in Ensign to the Nations, on page 129 in Holy Priesthood, Volume 6 Volume 6, and we are on Chapter 8, Joseph Smith and the Keys and I'm going to start reading And the keys of the mysteries of the kingdom shall not be taken from my servant Joseph Smith, Jr. D&C 64, 5 This chapter will be divided into four sections First, Joseph Smith ordained in the pre-existence. Second, Joseph Smith head of this last dispensation. Third, Joseph Smith one on earth at a time. Fourth, Joseph Smith holds these keys forever. <laughs> okay. First, Joseph Smith ordained in the pre-existence. There are several reasons reference- references that attest to the fact that Joseph Smith was foreordained in the pre-existence to be the head of, his, er, of this last dispensation. At that time, he received a special appointment and calling to enable him <coughs> to perform such a great earthly mission. Brigham Young and Wilford Woodruff both mentioned Joseph's calling before he came into mortality. You will be thankful, every one of you, that Joseph Smith, Jr. was ordained to this great calling before the world's war. I told you that the doctrine of election and reprobation is a true doctrine. It was decreed in the councils of eternity long before the foundations of the earth were laid, that he should be the man in the last dispensation of this world to bring forth the word of God to the people and receive the fullness of the keys and power of the priesthood of the Son of God. The Lord had his eye upon him, and upon his father, and upon his father's father, and upon their progenitors, clear back to Abraham, and from Abraham to the flood, from the flood to Enoch, and from Enoch to Adam. He has watched that family and that blood as it has circulated from its fountain to the birth of that man. He was foreordained in eternity to preside over this last dispensation, as much so as Pharaoh was foreordained to be a wicked man, or as was Jesus to be the Savior of the world, because he was the oldest son in the family. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, uh, Chapter 7, Volume 289-290. to 290. We're on page 130. Uh, anything to say?
3: Yeah, um, so I hear a lot about how Joseph Smith was to preside over this last dispensation, but I also know that in 1844, Joseph Smith said that Elijah must come again to restore the keys uh, and the, the priesthood uh, in, an, in another dispensation. So there's that. Also, something interesting, um, something really interesting is, uh, well, in the celestial phase of the history of this earth, you have dispensations. However, the millennium is a dispensation which has dispensations within the terrestrial portion of the history of this earth. So there's more dispensations that that if you like, take some of these quotes out of context, you may not understand that this is not the last dispensation that will ever be dispensed. You know, it, it's not. There are more to come. And Joseph Smith even said in the celestial dispensation, there would be more as well. So, So that's just something for people to consider, and I'll mute myself again.
2: Okay. Man, I have like phlegm building up in the back of my throat for some reason a lot. Joseph Smith will hold the keys of this dispensation to the endless ages of eternity. It is the greatest dispensation God ever gave to man And that he was ordained before the world was To stand in the flesh and organize this work Uh, Discourses of Wilford Woodruff, page 158 Uh, Joseph Smith's mission As a dispensation head Was to serve as a witness to the whole world He explains this in his own words I shall read the 24th chapter of Matthew and give it a literal rendering A literal rendering and reading and when it is rightly understood it will be edifying I thought the very oddity of its rendering would be edifying anyhow and it will be preached the gospel of the kingdom <clears throat> In the whole world to a witness all over er, over all people and then will the end come I will now read it in German which he did, and many Germans who were present said he translated it correctly. The Savior said, when these tribulations should take place, it should be committed to a man who should be a witness over the whole world. The keys of knowledge, power, and revelation should be revealed to a witness who should hold the testimony to the world. It has always been my province to dig up hidden mysteries, new things for my hearers. Just at the time when some men think that I have no right to the keys of the priesthood Just at that time I have the greatest right The Germans are an exalted people The old German translators are the most nearly correct, most honest out of any of the translators And therefore I get testimony to bear me out er, yeah, bear me out in the revelations that I have preached for the last 14 years The old German, Latin, Greek, and Hebrew translations all say it is true They cannot be impeached, and therefore I am in good company. Uh, That is page 131. Anything to say?
3: Well, I would say that in Matthew chapter 24 it should be stated that the gospel would be preached unto the witness, God the witness, and then the end would come. And it talks about all of these things that are supposed to happen right before the end. That's when the witness comes. Not... 200 years before that and Joseph Smith he preached to the people around him this radio show is being preached to the world so I'm actually going into the void I would like to talk a little more about this but I'll wait uh, I'll wait till I get back into uh, the cell phone reception so you can go ahead Emma
2: okay all the testimony that, or is that the Lord in the last days would commit the keys of the priesthood to a witness over all people? Has the gospel of the kingdom commenced in the last days, and will God take it from man until He takes him, him Himself? I have read it in, or I have read it precisely as the words flowed from the lips of Jesus Christ. John the Revelator saw an angel flying through the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth the scripture is ready to be fulfilled when great wars famines pestilence great distress judgments etc are ready to be poured out on the inhabitants of the earth john saw the john saw the angel having the holy priesthood who should preach the everlasting gospel to all nations God had an angel, a special messenger, ordained and prepared for that purpose in the last days. Woe, woe be to that man, or set of men who lift their hands up against God and his witness in these last days. For they shall deceive almost the very chosen ones. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, uh, PP 364-365.
5: Joseph Smith
2: said he would Give the scripture in Matthew twenty four fourteen a, a literal rendering, which he did by saying that the gospel would be given to a witness instead of for a witness over all people. He continued by saying this witness would come in the last days and would hold the keys of the priesthood and be a witness over all people. <clears throat> it is very clear that Joseph Smith is the one who fulfills that prophecy in Matthew 24 and the following quotation is further evidence that he was witness and before that quotation we're on page 132 anything to say
3: I don't know if you guys can hear me or not I'm in one of those iffy areas can you hear me you sound fine okay Um, okay so there's a couple of problems Uh, Joseph Smith actually taught in 1843 and in 1844 uh, that God the witness was waiting to take himself a body to come to do the same or similar things as Jesus did which actually goes along with Doctrine and Covenants section 130 where Jesus Christ tells Joseph Smith that God the Father and God the Son have bodies which are flesh and bone but the Spirit or God the witness is a spirit at that time that was true however joseph smith was in the flesh he was not the witness he is a witness there are many witnesses but he is not the witness or the other um the other t- uh, title for him would be the rakah kodesh the holy spirit or uh, the breath of god the witness of the Father and the Son, um, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. But Joseph Smith taught that he had to come and take himself a body. So um, when people like Ogden Kraut believed, as I did before I was set straight, that Joseph Smith is God the witness, but he's not. So, um, and Joseph Smith said, if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, you have to set them down as imposters. Now, for those of you that don't know, I'm going to be bold, and I'm not trying to be arrogant or anything like that, but I'm going to leave you with that excuse. In 1995, I was taken up to the Salt Lake Temple by Jesus Christ, and I went into the Holy of Holies of the Father, which is just under the Angel Moroni in the middle tower on the east side, and I was in the presence of I was taken into the presence of the Father, and he told me I would be the last prophet before the return of Jesus Christ. Which really confused me because at the time I was an anti-Mormon Baptist. I did not want anything to do with the LDS church. So that happened in 95. In 96, I met the missionaries. I was converted by a powerful witness. When I asked God if Joseph Smith was a true prophet and if the Holy, uh, the Book of Mormon was true, the Holy Spirit came down on me with such great power that I can never deny that experience. Not only that, I heard multitudes of angels singing praises to God. It was an overwhelming experience And on top of all of that, I was completely healed from from afflictions that I could not heal myself from in an instant. 97, I get my patriarchal blessing. It says that I have been given the greatest gift that God has to bestow, the gift of eternal life. That same year, I got my endowments out in the Salt Lake Temple, and everything that I saw in the temple, I had seen already in the Spirit, because I had been in the temple in '95, but I had never yet, to that point, been in the temple, but that's where I got my endowments. In 2003, as I was trying to understand what it meant to have your calling and election made sure over the course of many years, I was taken up in the Spirit, and God me to, Well, I was taken up in the flesh, actually, and I was taken up to Mount Bashal, which is where the holy temple of God's house is. And I saw the Father and the Son face to face and embraced them in the flesh. I still didn't understand that I was the witness. In 2013, God took me up again and showed me why I was called and who I was, and after he showed me why I was called, it took me a minute, and I said, God, am I the witness? And he said, with a smile on his face, well, it has to be somebody. And he told me to be bold with my witness and to teach the people, and that's what I do. That's why I know what I know, and I know a lot of people are going to reject it and say that I'm bold. Uh, arrogant and all of this and that, but I'm just leaving you with that excuse. Anyway, did you have anything to say, Kim?
4: No, sorry, I was off and then back on again. I'm actually at the top of Barrel Hill. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you could hear me because I I was breaking up. I was out back doing goats and then one of them was stuck and Lydia couldn't get her by herself, so I had to go. And it took both of us to get her out of the fence. So,
3: oh, Okay. Um, I did want to say one thing that Ken does think is funny, and I think it's funny too. So uh, my aunt, Colleen Lichtenwalter, actually got a revelation that I am one mighty and strong. And I was like, no, I'm not. That's not, you're getting revelations from the devil. I wouldn't listen. But before that, God was trying to tell me these things just through the whisperings of the spirit and I refused to listen. So finally a Well couple that's because you and I by. were joking
4: around about it. And that, and I was yeah. like, next thing you know, you're gonna think you're the one mighty and strong and he's like, No, I am not. I am not the one mighty and strong and I'm not gonna think that and everybody does that. And so it was like this huge joke to us and then
3: well because there's been so many that have come along and they're like oh but when money is stronger we've known a couple of them yep you know there's lots of them (laughs) so i'm like yeah well and it took god i me being broken down because of things that were happening at the time and i was i was pleading to god and asking him why is this happening to me And he said, kneel down before me and ask me who you are. And I did because he told me to. And I said, Father, who am I? And he took me up, and that's when he showed me um, a platform in space with a ton of people around it, in front of it. And he said, this is, you know, he showed me, and he explained things to me. And it was the Father, God uh, God the Creator, God the Redeemer, and God the Witness. And God the Witness was actually Lucifer before he fell and he became Satan. I know, that's that's crazy, talk. I mean, oh, you know, everybody freaked out about that. Even I was like, what? Anyway, but he lost his position in his office, and he had his title taken from him, Hillel, which in Latin is Lucifer, which means the bearer of light and truth. Now, he wants to cling on to that title, but it's not his anymore. He lost it. And he became Hasatan, or Satan, which means the accuser uh, the accuser. So after this thing happened, there was this rebellion. About half of the quorum of the mighty and strong ones fell with Lucifer because of pride and arrogance, and it was a mess. Anyway, so then when uh, everything was done and Satan was cast out with his angels, his archangels, who are also mighty and strong, that fell. Um, The Father and the Son went among the noble and great ones to choose. Well, first they went to me, who was among the mighty and strong ones, and there were 12. And he explained to me who they were. Um, I don't know who some of them are, but I know who have been on the earth already. And I know that the other ones are on the earth right now. But I don't know exactly who they are. But Joseph Smith was among them. Joseph Smith was called my, an alias to prepare the foundation for Zion's redemption. That's his job. That was his job. He's a witness, but he's not the witness. Anyway, so when the father chose me to take the place of Halel, or the bearer of light and truth, or the witness, it took me a minute and it finally dawned on to me what he was saying, because it's heavy. And I said, Heavenly Father, am I the witness? And he said, well, it has to be somebody. So that's how I know who I am. And the reason I know all of this other stuff is because God has showed me all of these things over the last 20-something years. He's prepared me from, the, from my youth here a little and there a little, and given me a little bit more, and he's led me along to this point. And back in 2003, Jesus Christ and I were speaking to each other face to face after I embraced him, and he said that all the bad things that have happened in my life, he allowed them to happen to me so that I could be prepared to be the witness or the humble servant that he needed me to be. You know, and then in 2013, he told me to be bold with my witness, to start the Church of the Living Messiah and the School of the Prophets, and to uh, eventually start doing this radio show, but that would come a little bit later, in uh, January of 2014 is when I started doing my own internet radio show. I actually co-hosted on one before all of this happened, so even before I knew who I was, so... Kim and I kind of laughed because back then, before I knew who I was, we both kind of mocked it in jokes. Because I know who I am. I know what I've been through. I know how rough I can be. I mean, I I have been in so many fights I can't because people come after me because Satan tempts them to destroy me because he hates me because they took his place anyway but I just didn't I didn't believe it until God himself came to me and said kneel down before me and ask me who you are so and like I said Joseph Smith I thought he was the witness he is a witness but he was sent like John the Baptist to open up this dispensation so that Zion's redemption's foundations could be laid so that to prepare the path for for Messiah Ben Joseph, who I am, to come and do the things which God has asked me to do. And Ogden Crow, never knew him. I read his books before he died, but I never knew him. I wasn't sent to him. I was sent to his son, Kevin, uh, in 2013. Um, shortly after I found out who I was, God told me to go. Kevin Kraut and be re-baptized so that I can start my ministry Um, but, but Ogden and a lot of other people they have pieces of the puzzle and they think they're looking at the full picture but they're not looking at the full picture they're looking at clues and hints which if they try to complete the puzzle without all of the puzzle pieces it's not going to work that's why um Believing that Joseph Smith is God the Witness contradicts Section 130, and it contradicts other statements that Joseph taught how God the Witness had to come on the earth in the last days um, and gain a body and do, you know, teach the people and do all these other things. That happens. That's happening now. That's process is fulfilled now, not then. I mean, he's not coming back a second time. Joseph Smith had a body in the flesh when Jesus Christ told him that God the witness or the Holy Ghost is a spirit being but he was at that time Joseph Smith had a body not Joseph Smith anyway um, I'm going to mute myself again and uh, I don't know you guys can read your talk or whatever if you have any comments about anything
2: okay well, uh, Mom says she's on. Uh, my tablet is saying otherwise, but I trust that she's here. I <laughs> uh, just refreshed the studio and it said she wasn't, but she is now. Okay. Uh, One hundred and thirty-two. Uh, I'm gonna. The following quotation is further evidence that he was a witness. Everlasting covenant was made between three personages before the organization of this earth. And relates their dispensation of things to men on the earth. These personages, according to Abraham's record, are called God the first, the creator, God the second, the redeemer, and God the third, the witness or testator. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 190. And later Joseph referred to a scripture recorded by John the revelator, which ties in with Matthew 24. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven Having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth And to every nation and kindred and tongue and people Saying with a loud voice Fear God and give glory to him For the hour of his judgment is come And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters Uh, Revelations chapter 14 verses 6 and 7
3: I got something to say.
2: Okay. So
3: Ogden wants to say, three, number three. Temple, thank you.
5: You're
3: welcome. Anyway, so Ogden um, wanted to say this proved it, but it doesn't prove anything. And why do I say that? Because John the Baptist was an Elias who opened up the dispensation to begin the ministry, to lay the foundation for for Jesus to come. Joseph Smith was the same. He had the same job to be an Elias to prepare the people for Zion's redemption, which did not happen at that time, but it would happen. And it's still a future thing. So it doesn't prove anything. Anyway, go ahead, Emma.
2: Man, Revelations is a pretty fun one to read about. <laughs> Um, John saw an angel with the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth This angel was a special messenger, ordained and prepared for that purpose in the last days Who was this man who should be a witness over the whole world in the last days? Joseph Smith certainly fits the description And who was the angel that became a man who had the holy priesthood to preach the everlasting gospel to all nations? Once again, the answer has to be Joseph Smith. On top of the Salt Lake Temple is a statue representing the angel who should preach the gospel to all nations in the last of days. How could that represent Moroni when he did not come with the priesthood to preach the gospel to the nations? Instead, instructed Joseph Smith to do it. So the next time we drive downtown and look up on the temple and see that golden statue, Remember that it represents Joseph Smith much more than it does Moroni. Hey, look at that. 133 page. Anything to say, Dad? Or Mom? I'm going to take that as a no. <coughs> Joseph Smith, head of this last dispensation. Two of this. Okay. In April of 1836, there were some unbelievable manifestations in the Kirtland Temple. Or, yeah, Kirtland, that's weird. Where the personages, personages who had lived on the earth previously appeared and committed to Joseph Smith and to Oliver Cowdery. The keys are different keys for the... Ugh, I'm. Ugh. Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery, different keys from their dispensations on the earth. Paul spoke of the dispensation of the fullness of times, when God would gather together all things in one, etc. And those men to whom these keys have been given will have to be there, and they, without us, cannot be made perfect. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 159. The last verse in section 110 of the D&C recorded, Therefore the keys of this dispensation are committed into your hands, and by this ye may know that the great and dreadful day of the Lord is near even at the doors. D&C chapter or section 110 chapter 16 volume 16 verse 16. Ugh. Since this manifestation was to both Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery the question arises did both Joseph and Oliver receive keys of this dispensation? It was not real really clear From the author's research, all early leaders have felt it was just Joseph Smith, except for Joseph Fielding Smith, who thought it was both of them. He wrote, It was Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith who received the keys at the Kirtland Temple on the 3rd of April, 1836, when Christ appeared, when Moses appeared, when Elias appeared, when Elijah appeared, and every time when the keys of a dispensation were bestowed, it was to Joseph Smith, And Oliver Cowdery not Joseph Smith alone why just because of what the Savior said if I bear witness of myself my witness is not true doctrine of salvation page or doctrine of salvation chapter one uh volume 100 or 211 oh okay we're on page 134 anything to say
3: Uh, no, Joseph Smith holds those keys, and he will surrender them up to the Father at Adam and on Diamond when the Father gathers up all of the keys and gives them to the Son, who then becomes the Father. So, um, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, – one of the problems is a lot of people assume things. I'm guilty of it. I assumed a whole bunch of stuff. I still assume things. I'm trying to work it out just like everybody else is working it out. But when you assume things and then you teach it as doctrine, that's where you, you're led astray, and you become a Judas goat to the truth. So, you know, and that's, that's what all of these people do. That's what everybody does. We all assume, well, this is true, and that's true, so this other thing might be case in point. I knew that Joseph Smith was a true prophet by revelation. I knew that, that the Book of Mormon was true by revelation. What I didn't know was that God in Section 124, Jesus Christ, said that he rejected the church in Nauvoo. And I didn't know that there were many, many breakoffs out of Nauvoo, that Bergamite or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints may have been the largest one. But they were among the rejected church. Didn't know that. So I assumed that that was the one true living church, not knowing that they had changed many, many, many things. Learned a lot in that church. But then I found I think out. You the broke that for so a anyway, second. There. I was just saying, I, um, I assumed that the LDS. I assumed the LDS church was. The one true and living church, even though the prophecyers and revelators of the LDS church do not have the fruits of being propheciers and revelators, but I assumed it to be true because I know those other things are true. I knew A and B were true, so I assumed C was true, and it's not. It totally is not. Anyway, go ahead, Emma.
2: Okay. Man, some of these quotes feel like tongue twisters. Okay. Uh, page 134. And then he added, he, Oliver, was an assistant president of the church and the second witness of the dispensation of the fullness of times, which is the greatest of all dispensations. For it was necessary that there be two presidents, two witnesses, standing at the head of this dispensation. Uh, The same as the last one, doctrine of salvation, page 212. Joseph Fielding Smith, did conclude, however, that when Oliver Cowdery left the church, and then later came back into full fellowship, he never again was privileged to receive the keys of power and authority, which once were placed upon him. Uh, I.B.I.D., the same as the last, uh, Doctrine of Salvation, page 217. Then he considered that his grandfather, Hiram Smith, assumed the position of Oliver Cowdery. To stand through all time and all eternity at the head of this dispensation with his brother Joseph. The sealing of the testimony through the the shedding of blood would not have been complete in the death of the Prophet Joseph Smith alone. It required the death of Hiram Smith, who jointly held the keys of of this dispensation. Doctrine of Salvation uh, 1-219 it is a wonderful thing to honor one's grandparent to such an extent even bestowing upon him favors and keys for which no one else thought he held held. but it just wasn't true for example compare what Brigham Young and George Q Cannon had had to say about only Joseph Smith being the head of this dispensation Joseph Smith holds the keys of this last dispensation and it is now engaged behind the veil in the great work of the last days. Um, there are three asterisks and then page 135. Anything to say? Oh, just what I said I actually before.
4: do. Oh, sorry. Go ahead again. Um. So I don't know um, what you're going to say about this, but um, a lot of this... Um, the last quotes that he was just reading about Joseph Smith, George C. and Brigham Young, um, a lot of that, even though, yes, they were good guys and stuff like that, a lot of it's speculation on their side, on their part, and um, talking about this is the greatest even presentation so, ever. Yes, Everybody so. thinks that. Yeah, so it's kind of like. And they, they uh, take,
3: they cherry pick. They'll cherry pick one thing and ignore something else that seems to contradict it.
4: Yeah. So that's what, I'm just saying, like, beware of that kind of speech and that kind of talking. Sorry, I'm going to mute myself because Arius wants me. That's
3: fine. Um, so, like I said before, Joseph Smith was an Elias to lay the foundation of Zion so that it could be redeemed the same way that John the Baptist was an Elias to lay the foundation for the coming of Messiah in Judah or the first witness of the Father, who is Jesus Christ, or Yeshua, Hamashiach. It's the same role. Joseph Smith had the same role as John the Baptist. Now, in the days of Jesus Christ, there were many who did not follow Jesus because they were following John the Baptist, because they thought that he was the bee's knees, or however you say it. You know, and sometimes people would come over and say, oh, Jesus is the one that Joe, uh, the, John the Baptist was speaking of. They'd finally get it, you know. But there were a lot of people who didn't follow Jesus because they were following John the Baptist. John the Baptist was an Elias to a Messiah who is our Redeemer. Joseph Smith was an Elias to Messiah Ben-Joseph, Um and he did hold a lot of the uh, the things the things that jo- uh, jo- um, Messiah ben Joseph was supposed to do. He did those things, but he didn't do them all. So people say, well, when he comes again and he's reincarnated and he's born of woman again, and they've got all these crazy ideas because they know about multiple mortal probations and they know about all these other things, but it's still speculation, which they all do. So the, in that last quote, on one of the last two or three quotes, he even says he assumed. He assumed. It doesn't make it make it doctrine. We all assume because we're all working it out. But anyway, so, um, go ahead,
5: Emma.
2: Okay. <clears throat> um, There were those three little
5: thingies
2: (laughs) No man or woman in this dispensation Will ever enter into the celestial kingdom of God Without the consent of Joseph Smith (laughs) Uh, From the day that the priesthood was taken From the earth to the winding up scene Of all things Every man and woman must have the certificate Of Joseph Smith Jr. As a passport to their entrance Into the mansion where God and Christ are I with you and you with me cannot go, or I cannot go there without his consent. He holds the keys of that kingdom for the last dispensation, The keys to rule in the spirit world, and he rules there triumphantly, for he gained full power and a glorious victory over the power of Satan, while he was yet in the flesh and was a martyr to his religion, the, to the name of Christ, which gives him a most perfect victory in the spirit world. He reigns there as a supreme being in his sphere, sphere capacity and calling as God does in heaven. Many will exclaim, oh, that is very disagreeable. It is preposterous. We cannot bear the thought, but it is true. I will now tell you something that ought to, be, or ought to comfort every man and woman on the face of the earth. Joseph Smith Jr. will again be on this earth dictating plans and calling forth his brethren to be baptized. For the very characters who wish this was not so, in order to bring them into a kingdom, to enjoy, perhaps, the presence of angels or the spirits of good men. If they cannot endure the presence of the Father and the Son, and he will never cease his operations under the directions of the Son of God, until the last ones of the children of man are saved, that can be from Adam till now, should not this comfort all people They will by and by be a thousand times More thankful for such a man As Joseph Smith Or as Joseph Smith Jr. than it is possible for them To be For any earthly good whatever In his mission to see That all the children of men In this last dispensation are saved That can be through the redemption Brigham Young Journal of Discourses Uh Chapter 7, Volume 289, he, talking of Joseph Smith, therefore received the ministration of divers, angels, heads of dispensations, Um, page 136.
3: The Journal of Discourses is in volumes and pages,
2: M.S. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) I know.
3: Well, I keep trying to tell you that, and then you keep forgetting. So, Journal of Discourse yeah, I is just, always in volume. Well, just remember, I can't look, remember. Like, are you in the office right now? Yes, are I am. Are you in the office right now? <laughs> yes. Are you sitting on the futon? Look to yes. your right. Do you see all of the volumes There's of the TV. Journal of Discourse sitting there? <laughs> whatever, whatever. Oh, up there. You see them, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you know that when they're talking about the numbers with the Journal of Discourses, it's in volumes. you see all those volumes? That's what they're talking about.
2: Uh, so if I pull the one that has the number of that and go to that page, that'll be there? Yes. Cool. Yes, if they so. are
3: correct. Now, the church did something. So those are Kevin Kraut's old Journal of Discourses. So we have the uh, reprint of the original. The LDS Church, they wanted to get rid of them, but they knew they couldn't because the fundamentalists were printing them up. So what the LDS Church did was they changed a bunch of stuff around so that people could not find what the fundamentalists are talking about and then just dismiss it all. So, yeah, Ogden Kraut, in fact, Kevin actually has Ogdens, and then Kevin gave his to me. So we have the original reprint. But the LDS Church, if you get the Journal of Discourses through them, you're going to go to volume whatever and page whatever, and and things are going to be switched around because they didn't want people to listen to fundamentalists, you know, because they don't want to be challenged in their authority. Anyway, go ahead, Emma.
2: Okay. Well. the heads of dispensations. He, Joseph Smith, therefore received the ministration of divers angels, heads of dispensations, from Michael or Adam down to the present time, every man in his time and season coming to him and all declaring their dispensation, their rights, their keys, their honors, their majesty and glory, and the power of their priesthood, so that Joseph, the head of the dispensation, or of this dispensation, Prophet, seer, and revelator Whom God raised up Received from all these different sources According to the mind and will of God And according to the design of God Concerning him He received from all these different sources All all the power And all the authority And all the keys That were necessary For the building up of the work of God In the last days And for the accomplishment Of his purposes Connected with this dispensation, he stands at the head. He is a unique character, differing from every other man in this respect. <coughs> Ugh. Ugh. And okay. telling every other man, I'm, I'm
3: actually going into the well yard where I dubbed my coal. I, I just had something to say before I have to mute myself again. Joseph okay. Smith commenced the work of the sun. In Third Nephi, it talks about the work of the Father, which was not commenced at that time. Joseph Smith dealt with all those other problems. Yeah,
2: you're starting to break up.
3: I deal with the Father and the Son alone. I don't deal with any of those other guys. I kind of wish I did, but this is the work, the beginning of the work of the Father that is spoken of in 3rd Nephi chapter, well, I can't remember what chapter it is right now, but anyway, so I'm going to mute myself
2: again. Okay, well I'm going to hope he gets back into service soon, and I'm going to continue reading. <clears> okay. <throat> okay. Oh, where was I? Uh, all the keys that were necessary for building up the work of God in the last days and for the accomplishment of his purposes connected with this dispensation. He stands at the head. He is a unique character differing from every other man in this respect and excelling every other man because he was the head God chose him. He was the head God chose him. I think there's a comma missing there. And while he was faithful, no man could take his place and position. He was faithful and died faithful. He stands, therefore, at the head of this dispensation and will throughout all eternity, and no man can take that power away from him. If any man holds these keys, he holds them subordinate to him. I present this matter before you that you may see that when Joseph Smith died, he had embodied in him all the keys and all the authority, all the powers and all the qualifications necessary for the head of a dispensation to stand at the head of this great last dispensation. They had been bestowed upon him through the providences providences of God and lived throughout the command of God to his faithful servants who lived in the ancient days. There is no man in this dispensation. Yeah?
3: I have to say something again.
2: He held a lot of
3: keys. I'm almost... I'm not going to be able to talk in two seconds. The fullness of the priesthood that I keep talking about in section 124 had never, was never restored to the earth. The one that the Father has to give, which he wanted to do in the Nauvoo Temple... Joseph Smith didn't have that. None of them did. So he held a lot of keys, but he did not hold those keys. He did not hold the fullness of the priesthood. All right, I'm going to mute myself. i got to jump out of the truck and do all my things. So
2: that's why I wanted to say okay. what I was
3: going to say before. Okay.
5: Okay.
2: They had been bestowed upon him through the providences of God and through the command of God to his faithful servants who lived in the ancient days. There is no man in this dispensation can occupy the station that he did, or that he, Joseph, did. God having reserved him and ordained him for that position and bestowed upon him the necessary power. George Q. Cannon, Journal of Discourses. Volume twenty-three, uh, pages three hundred and sixty-one to three hundred and sixty-two. The keys of this dispensation cover a much longer period of the time than most Latter-day Saints realize, Brigham explained. Oh, page one hundred and thirty-seven. Mom, do you have anything to say while well, Dad's busy?
4: Nope, I don't have anything to say. Keep going. Do you want me to read Emmett?
2: it? Uh, I'm fine reading. I'm sort of stuttering a bit on some of the quotes but i think it's fun
4: yeah you're doing okay you're doing a good job no worries
2: but yeah i can hear the girls like mumbling in the background so i understand
4: yeah (laughs) all the kids are yep
2: okay continuing on from the day that the priesthood was taken from the earth to the winding up scene of all things every man and woman must have the certificate of joseph smith jr as a passport to their entrance into the mansion where god and christ are I with you, and you with me. I cannot go there without his consent. He holds the keys of that kingdom for the last dispensation. Journal of Discourses, uh, Volume 7, page 289. And I think I got the quote right. Yay! (laughs) Okay, continuing on. Joseph Smith, then, is the head of the dispensation, extending from around the end of the first century A.D., to the end of the millennium, which is about 3,000 years, and includes more people than all other dispensations put together. That's kind of cool. Okay, there are seven major dispensations on our earth, with the following dispensation heads, Adam, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jesus Christ, and Joseph Smith. Minor dispensations such as Elias, John the Baptist, Raphael, etc., have also been mentioned in Scripture. But for us, we belong to only one dispensation, which is under the authority, jurisdiction, and keys of one man, Joseph Smith, Jr. As the head of the dispensation of the fullness of times, the prophet Joseph had to receive his priesthood keys from those who had held them in their dispensations. John Taylor explained the many former apostles and prophets who restored these keys so we could enjoy them in this last dispensation. Then comes another personage whose name is John the Baptist. He ordained the prophet Joseph Smith to that portion of the priesthood of which he held the keys. Namely uh namely oh man, I lost where I was at. Namely the Aaronic, or Lesser Priesthood, afterwards came Peter, James and John, who held the keys of the Melchizedek priesthood. And of the dispensation of the fullness of times they belong in in last in their day to whom it was committed, and therefore they came to him and revealed to him the principles pertaining to the gospel, and the events to be fulfilled. Then we read again of Elias or Elijah. Um, We're on page 138. Anything to say? Nope. Okay, and I'm assuming Dad's still not there. (coughs) So, page 138 Then we read again of Elias or Elijah Who was to act as a restorer And who committed to him the powers and the authority Associated with his position Then Abraham, who had the gospel and priesthood And patriarchal powers in his day And Moses, who stood at the head of the gathering dispensation of his day (coughs) Or in his day And had these powers conferred upon him, we are informed that Noah, who was a patriarch, and all in the line of the priesthood, and all in the line of the priesthood, yeah, in every generation back to Adam, who was the first man, possessed the same. Why was it that all these people should be associated with all these dispensations? And all could communicate with Joseph Smith, because he stood at the head of the dispensation of the fullness of times, which comprehends all the various dispensations. ...that have existed upon this earth, or upon the earth, and that as the gods in the eternal worlds and the priesthood that officiated in time and eternity, had declared that it was time for the issuing forth of all these things, they all combined together to impart him the keys of their several missions, that he might be fully competent, through the intelligence and aid afforded him through these several parties, to introduce the gospel in all its fullness... Namely, the dispensation of the fullness of times, when, says the Apostle Paul, he might gather all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. Consequently, he stood in that position, and hence his familiarity with all these various dispensations and the men who administered in them. If you were to ask Joseph what sort of a a looking man Adam was, He would tell you, at once, he would tell you his size and appearance and all about him. You might have asked him what sort of men Peter, James, and John were, and he could have told you. Why? Because he had seen them. Journal of His Courses, Volume 18, page 326. That is a long (laughs) book. Since Joseph holds the keys of this dispensation, it means we are subject to him in life and in death. Brigham Young explained. Oh, page 139. Anything to say, Mom? Dad, are you back?
3: I'm back. I don't have anything to say right now.
4: Okay. What about you, Mom? Yeah, I was going to go ahead and read a little bit Emmett, it just because um, it is really long. This is a really long thing. And you're doing a really good job reading but I'm just going to power read a few of it and then you can keep reading. So just follow along. Okay. Okay. I'll give you a little break. Okay. Page 139. Just wait till you pass Joseph Smith. And after Joseph lets you pass him, you will find Peter. And after you pass the apostles and many of the prophets, you will find Abraham. And he will say, I have the keys and except you do thus and so, You cannot pass, and after a while you come to Jesus, and when you at length meet Father Adam, how strange it will appear to you, to your present notions. If we can pass Joseph and have him say, here you have been faithful, good boys, I hold the keys of this dispensation, I will let you pass, then we shall be very glad to see the white locks of Father Adam. Journal Discourse, Volume 5, page 331 and 332. (laughs) Yes. Although the Prophet Joseph presides over this last dispensation, he recognized the one who was president of all the dispensations on this earth. This, then, is the nature of the priesthood, every man holding the presidency of the, his dispensation, and one man holding the presidency of them all, even Adam. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 169. The Prophet also testified that Adam had dominion given, given him over every living creature, and also that the keys have to be brought from heaven wherever the gospel is sent. When they are revealed from heaven, it is by Adam's authority. He, Adam, is the father of the human family and presides over the spirits of all men. And all that have had the keys must stand before him in this grand council. Furthermore, Adam is the one holding the keys of the universe. See, teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 157. The apostle Orson Pratt, Made an interesting ob- observation. In a great and glorious open vision, in answer to to his Joseph Smith's prayers, there was the manifestation of two great of the great personages in the heavens. Not angels, not messengers, but two persons that hold the keys of authority over all creation, all the creations of the universe. Who were they? God the Eternal Father and His Son Jesus Christ, through whom God the Father made the worlds. Journal of Discourse, Volume 21, page 308. We're now on page 140. It is interesting to note that in the reference above, Joseph said that Adam holds the keys of the universe. Then Orson Pratt said that God, the Eternal Father, was the personages, personage sorry, who appeared to Joseph and was the personage who held the keys of authority over all the creations of the universe. Could it be that they are both one and the same personage? Just because Joseph held the keys of this dispensation, he never asked the people to follow him. But rather, he said, call upon the Lord while he is near, and seek him while he may be found, is the exhortation of your unworthy servant. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 18. Brigham Young concurred. I believe in the one man power. Who is that man? Our Father in heaven. God, the eternal Father, who is in all, knows all, and who made all, that is in heaven, and who brought this world and all its living creatures into existence. He is the supreme man. I serve, believe, in, and wish to obey in all things. It is my right and privilege to thus believe, and all who choose to differ from me have the privilege to do so. I want to continue in that course that will secure to me an, ex- an exalted salvation. Journal of Discourse, Volume 18, page 234. Joseph Smith, one, on earth at a time, for over a century, many misconceptions, misinterpretations, and false claims have arisen from the following verse. And verily I say unto you that the conditions of this law are these, all covenants, contracts, bonds, obligations, oaths, vows, performances, connections, associations, or expectations that are not made And entered into and sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise of him who is anointed, both as well for time and for all eternity. And that too, most holy, by revelation and commandment through the medium of mine anointed, whom I have appointed on the earth to hold this power. power, And I have appointed unto my servant Joseph to hold this power in the last days. And there is never but one on the earth at a time to whom on whom this power and the keys of this priesthood are conferred, are of no efficacy, virtue, or force in and after the resurrection from the dead, for all the contracts that are not made unto this end have an end when men are dead. That's Doctrine and Covenants 132, verse 7. And we're on page 141 now. The answer seems so clear. Um, Go ahead.
3: Well, I'm at the top of wash plant, so I can, I gotta say what I have to say really quick. Um,
5: mm-hmm.
3: Joseph Smith held the the sealing keys because he had been sealed to Jesus Christ when he received his calling and election. That wasn't passed down to other people. He held it; that was his. And I wish I could talk more, but there's a weird background.
4: That might be the air conditioner in here.
2: No, it was really weird. It sounded like someone was like whispering almost, but like you couldn't hear it. It was like
4: Oh, I don't know. I have Arius and he is roaring like a dinosaur. Um, anyways, I'll continue reading. The answer seems so clear. The Lord is talking about Joseph Smith being the one man who holds the keys of this dispensation, and thus the only one who can hold all the keys. The Lord said, I have appointed unto my servant Joseph to hold the pa- this power in the last days. It couldn't be any clearer. Every contract out, et cetera, in this dispensation must be approved or sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Of him who is anointed, perhaps this could be clarified better if we equate the word time with, dispensa- with a dispensation of time. For example, Abraham was the one man over his dispensation. Moses was the one man in his time. And Joseph Smith was, is and always will be the one man over this dispensation. Before Joseph Smith was okay. martyred, he did... What?
3: There are three major dispensations in the celestial history of this earth. The first one belongs to God the Creator hold the first presidency of this earth who is Michael who became Adam God the Redeemer who is Jesus and um, and then God the witness who comes as well Uh, there are dispensations within dispensations and Joseph Smith and Emma if you could look for this in your notes on your phone because that used to be my phone I think you'll have it if you could look and go to search Kim, can you please mute yourself? Because whatever is going on, it sounds like there's a scrubber on your microphone. Okay, thank you. Um, Look for Elijah Must Come Again. And just go through the different notes and see if you can find that. I think I put Joseph Smith's pot at the beginning of the note. But it's a quote from Joseph Smith that said, Elijah has to come again to restore uh, keys of the priesthood, so um, you know and, and he said that that in a dis, in a new dispensation before the end so right there we see that there are dispensations within dispensations. Joseph Smith did start as an elias, a major dispensation for God the witness to come to restore and redeem Zion um No, I want to talk real quick.
5: Thank
3: you. Anyway, like, I don't need to know that I can do something illegal. It drives me. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. Another driver told me that I can come out to make a right-hand turn when he's coming in from the other side. But, I don't know. Whatever. All right. Um, Everybody has to be killed to... God's the father Who is Adam Joseph Smith taught There has to be a chain Or a, a chain of sealing Back to father Adam And everybody tries to do this Through genealogy Because they don't understand That when Joseph Smith Was sealed up And got his calling and election He was the link The chain is not as long As you think it is He was the link The one man on the earth Who had the authority To seal up to himself, to the law of adoption and to marriages and all of the other stealing ordinances to himself. Wilfred Woodruff did away with that when he did away with a whole bunch of other stuff in 1890, 1890s. When I other hand of the father himself who is Michael the, who is Michael I was sealed up to our father, and I become the one man on the earth, and the chain is not as long as you think it is. You're not going to go back. Now, some of our genealogies can go back. I have genealogy on my mom's side through Charlemagne and through royalty that go back to Ephraim and all the way back to Adam and Eve. On my dad's side, it goes through Judah, through our rise of its Czechoslovakian Jewish and German Jewish lines but most people are not going to have that when Joseph Smith was filled up to to God when he received his calling and election he was the link I am the link today anyway I'm going to break up again so I'm just going to mute myself
4: And, Emma, I'm going to have you read for a little bit just because uh, that background noise isn't going to go away out here. Oh, okay. Um,
2: which page were we on?
4: <laughs> so we're right before page 142. Okay? Okay. It's like, like right before
2: quote?
4: it. Yes. Um, And in the name of the Lord.
2: Okay. And in the name of the Lord, I, Joseph Smith... Now shakes from my shoulders the responsibility of bearing off the kingdom of God to all the world, and that here and now I place that responsibility with all the keys, powers, and privileges pertaining thereto upon the shoulders of you, the twelve apostles, in connection with this council. And I am henceforth free from this responsibility, And and I now shake my garments clear, and free from the blood of this generation and of all men benjamin f johnson letter to george f gibbs page 18 can you imagine writing an 18 page letter <laughs> if anyone had it i can the legit <laughs> i got to say something hey i wasn't about talking
3: that. to okay, you okay <laughs> so i know but you said something and i got to say something too cuz that's how i am okay now, are we going to trust the words of Benjamin F. Johnson, who said that he heard it from Joseph Smith? And Benjamin F. Johnson actually started his own breakoff group that did not go along with the Brighamites, okay? And I know people in that group, whatever. Um, or are we going to trust the words of Scripture? Jesus Christ told them, if you don't do what I say in building the temple where the Father can come to other in, that he might restore the fullness of the priesthood to you, you'll be rejected as a church with your debt. Lyman White in 1843 and Joseph Smith, they talked about the church being rejected. And then after the fact, you get these journals and these people, why oh, did Joseph Smith say that the Quorum of the Twelve were the new guys in charge. Okay, did he say it? Does that contradict section 124? Joseph Smith received that revelation. Jesus Christ said what would happen if the revelation was fulfilled in that the Father would come restore the fullness of the priesthood, the beginning of revelations for Zion's redemption would take place, God would fight their battles for them so that they would not be removed from their place, Or was it that the Father never came to that temple? No angel ever came to that temple. Jesus Christ did not come to that temple. The Shekinah glory of God never came to that temple. Jesus said, if you don't do what I say, there will be wrath, uh, cursings, indignation, and he wouldn't fight their battles for them, and they would be removed from their place. Now what happened? They were removed from their place. It was a bitter, bitter experience after Joseph died to what happened where they were removed from their place. The father never came. And Jesus said, if you don't do what I say, you will be, you will be rejected as a church with your dad. That means that all of these apostles, doesn't matter. They were cut off. Joseph Smith worked the Lord's anointed. Now, I learned a lot from Brigham and Heber and T- John Taylor and all these guys because they were taught by Joseph Smith. And you can even be a prophet without being the Lord's anointed, like with John Taylor and the Centerville uh, Revelation with Jesus, Jesus Christ. And God still used the church to, prom- uh, to promote the gospel and all of that. But it doesn't mean that he accepted them as a church, because he said, I, reject, I will reject the church with their debt. Brigham Young and Heber C. Kimball and others actually talked about God would have to choose another people in the heart's core of this people to go out and do what God has said for them to do, which is a whole lot different than what we're being told today about how we're the, the kingdom of God is the church of Jesus Christ, even though a kingdom has a political and a theological entity, You know, there's a whole bunch of, they just want to gaslight the crap out of things. But the fundamentalists do it, too. So, anyway, I'm going to mute myself.
5: Okay.
2: Um, I think I was at the end of that. Yeah, because I said the 18 page letter. If the girls are screeching, I'm sorry if you can hear that. If anyone had the legitimate claim to be the only one on the earth to hold all the keys after Joseph Smith died, it would have been Brigham Young. But the following two quotes explain, explain how Brigham Young felt about it. You may say Joseph was a devil, if you like, but he is at home and still holds the keys of the kingdom, which were committed to him by heavenly messengers and always will. Do you ask who Brother Brigham is? He is, a, he is an humble instrument in the hands of God to keep his people in the path that he has marked out through the instrument instrumentality of his servant Joseph, and to travel in which is all I ask of him. Brigham Young, Contributor, ten three. Uh, I think that's chapter 10, verse 3, maybe? He, Joseph Smith, stands therefore at the head of this dispensation, and will throughout all eternity. And no man can take that power away from him. If any man holds these keys, he holds them subordinate to him. You never heard President Young teach any other doctrine. He always said that Joseph stood at the head of this dispensation, that Joseph holds the keys, and that although Joseph had gone behind the veil, He stood at the head of this dispensation, and that he, Brigham Young himself, held the keys subordinate to him. George Q. Cannon, Journal of Discourses, Volume 23, page 361. Shortly after Joseph Smith was martyred, a meeting was held in which Sidney Sidney Rigdon came to claim the title of the guardian of the church, but Brigham Young explained, and right before that quote we're on page 143, anything to say? Yeah, um,
3: Joseph Smith commenced the work of this son to lay the foundation for Zion's redemption. Third, Nephi talks about the work of the father, which did not commence in the lifetime of jo- uh, Joseph Smith. So these assumptions and all of these quotes from these early leaders, they did not understand these things, their assumptions. Anyway, and Joseph Smith was guilty of assumptions himself. We all are. We think because A and B are true, that C and D must be true, and it's not always the case. Go ahead, Emma.
2: Okay. Page 143. If the people want President Rigdon to lead them, they may have him. But I say unto you that the Quorum of the Twelve has the keys of the kingdom in all the world. The twelve are appointed by the finger of God. Here is Brigham. Have his knees ever faltered? Have his lips ever quivered? Here are Heber and the rest of the twelve, an independent body, who have the keys of the priesthood, the keys of the kingdom of God, to deliver all the world, or to all the world. This is true, so help me God. They stand next to Joseph and are as the presidency of the church. Wilford Woodruff, Matthias Cowley, uh, page 219. One president, Brigham Young, said the keys of the priesthood were committed to Joseph to build up the kingdom of God on the earth and were not taken from him in time or in eternity. Uh, Contributor 10.3, he is saying that the keys are still held by Joseph beyond the veil. A mortal man may hold the keys, or may hold keys pertaining to church presidency, apostleship, a mission, or particular work, or labor. But everything is done under the supervision of the one man, Joseph Smith, who is the only one with the key to serve as the head of this dispensation. This one key, as dispensation head, he kept for himself. All others he passed to the twelve apostles, as the following three apostles explain, Orson Hyde, speaking in September of eighteen eighty or 1844, says, Brother Joseph, in one of those councils, there is something going to happen. I don't know what it is, but the Lord bids me to hasten and give you your endowment before the temple is finished. He conducted us through every ordinance of the holy priesthood, and when he had gone th- through with all the ordinances... He rejoiced very much and says, Now, if they kill me, you have got all the keys and all the ordinances, and you can confer them upon others. And the hosts of Satan will not be able to tear down the kingdom as fast as you will be able to build it up. And now, says he, on your shoulders will the responsibility of leading this people rest, for the Lord is going to let me rest a while. Uh, Times and Seasons, Volume 5, page 651. Do you have anything to say, Dad? We're on page 144.
5: Yes.
2: Yes.
3: When Jesus Christ said that the Father had to come restore the fullness of the priesthood in a temple, that's exactly what had to happen. Now, you've got revisionist history by these men and others. I mean, it's still going on. All the revisionist history drives me insane. So let's go back to the scripture. The father has to come to the temple to personally restore the fullness of the priesthood. Now the revisionist history wants to tell you that that's the endowment. And the endowment was restored in the red brick store. Well, let's, let's look at the revelation. The father has to come to a temple where the fullness has to be restored by him. Not in a red brick store, not by Joseph Smith. It's revisionist history. God took the Lord's anointed from among them and the patriarch of the church and left them to themselves. He rejected the church with their dead, and they had to figure out what in the world they were going to do now that there was no prophet to leave them. So they come up with these ideas which contradict the scriptures, the written word of God, Has given to the prophet Joseph Smith. I'm sorry if you are in the LDS Church and you think the endowment is the fullness of the priesthood. In the endowment, it says this is a preparatory to prepare you for the actual endowment. When God endows the fullness of the priesthood, He's endowing power upon your head, and it's no play in the temple. The play in the temple might prepare you for something. But it's not the true endowment, and even in the endowment session, and I'm sure when, when, the, court, or when the committees that listen to this program hear me talking about this, oh, they are going to change some more of the endowment, because they got rid of Satan in the endowment, which he says, when he says, uh, you know, if you don't live up to every covenant you've made this day, you'll be in my power. And how we all covenant to live love, of consecration And the church has billions and billions And billions and billions And hundreds of billions and billions of dollars in, the, you know, in their coffers And not one united order So what do they do? Instead of repenting and returning to the first works As Jesus Christ has told them to do They decide Well we'll just take this out of the endowment We don't need it here anymore Or God gave it a certain way Who do you think You are? Speaking to Russell M. Nelson And all of these false Seers uh, False prophets and false revelators Do not have any Of the fruit at all Their fruits are Manipulation Smooth words and lies And when in the scriptures it says That the, uh, that, that the Humble followers of Christ would come and Tear down the, the towers of the mighty And strong ones It's talking about people like me for exposing the truth of these these Babylonian businessmen and wolf suits who pretend to be sheep, but they're not. This is how it's torn down by knowledge. This is the work of the one mighty and strong, who in section or chapter twenty-eight uh, it says that he would teach they or weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. It's through knowledge. That's how the war in heaven was fought. Through knowledge. That's how this is, and this is the work of the father, by the way. This is the work of the father. Go ahead, Emma.
5: Okay.
2: Uh (sighs) Okay. I believe I was on page 144. Wilford Woodruff. We had our endowments. We had all, or we had had. All the blessings sealed upon our heads that we were ever given to the apostles or prophets on the face of the earth. On that occasion, the prophet Joseph rose up, uh, rose up, and said to us, "Brethren, I have desired to live to see this temple built. I shall never live to see it, but you will. I have sealed upon your heads all of the keys of the kingdom of God. I have sealed upon you every key, power, principle, or key, comma co- power, comma, principle." That the God of heaven has revealed to me Now no matter where I may go Or what I may do The kingdom rests upon you But he said after having done this Ye apostles of the Lamb of God My brethren upon your shoulders This kingdom rests Now you have got to round up your shoulders And bear off the kingdom Wilford Woodruff Collective Discourses uh, STUI uh, Volume 1 page 292 George Q. Cannon While he, Joseph Smith Was in possession of all His uh, faculties And likely to live For many years To lead the church In fact, the people believed that he would Live to redeem Zion When he was er, When he was thus situated Impressed by the spirit and Power of God He called together our leading men And he bestowed upon the twelve apostles all the keys and authority and power that he himself possessed that he had received from the lord he gave unto them every endowment every washing every anointing and administered unto them the sealing ordinances and taught them the character of those ordinances and revealed unto them the doctrine of celestial marriage and oppressed upon the importance of their obedience to the same and made it Uh, obligatory upon them that they should obey it and carry it out in their lives and teach it to others he taught these brethren that unless they did this the kingdom would stop it could not make further progress and filled with the power of god he blessed them and placed those keys and this authority upon them and told them that he had thus ordained them to bear off the kingdom There was no key that he held, there was no authority that he exercised, that he did not bestow upon the twelve apostles at that time. Of course, in doing this, he did not divest himself of the keys, but bestowed upon them these keys and this authority and power, so that they held them in their fullness as he did, differing only in this respect, that they exercised exercised them subordinate to him as the head of the dispensation. He ordained them to all this authority... Without withholding a single power or key or ordinance that he himself had received uh, Journal of Discourses, Volume 23, Pages 262 and 63
3: I got Anything
2: to say or on page 145?
3: Yes, I'm almost going into the void, so it's going to break up in a minute It's really interesting that when Brigham Young was up in New England with Heber C. Kimball when, G- when they heard about Joseph Smith being murdered that they didn't know what in the world to do. They had all these keys, they didn't know what to do. Eber C. Kimball said that it took them a while, and then Brigham Young finally was like, "Well, we've got the keys. We'll just carry on." They didn't get prepared to do what they were going to do. They had to to key, piece things together and try to figure it out. But they just completely ignore the fact that Jesus said, "If you don't do what I say, you'll be rejected as a church with your dead." And that could never be the case. So then they, they've they got to come up with all this other gaslight history, you know, and say, oh, we've got everything. We don't need Joseph Smith anymore. Well, you did. And you needed the father to come to the temple. Anyway, but that didn't happen. So I'm going to mute myself. Emmett, I'm not going to interrupt you. Okay, I hear that you're I not going to
2: interrupt, interrupt me. me. You're breaking up, like, ridiculously bad on my end. So, I am going to keep reading. <coughs> okay. How can anyone say, then, that only one on earth holds all the keys other than Joseph Smith, when it is so evident that all twelve apostles held every key of this dispensation? This would be the same uh, fallacious claim that Sidney Rigdon and Amasa Lyman made Lyman made. Brigham referred to them when he said, If either wishes to act as a spokesman for the prophet Joseph, he must go behind the veil where Joseph is. Times and Seasons, Volume 5, page 638. Therefore, it was the appointment and responsibility of all the twelve to hold these priesthood keys. As late as 1880, the Lord gave a revelation to Wilford Woodruff stating that the previously departed prophets and apostles were still watching over them and were still living. Thus saith the Lord unto you, my servants and apostles who dwell in the flesh, Fear ye not your enemies, let your heart, or let not your hearts be troubled. I am in your midst, and I am your advocate with the Father. I have given mine angels charge concerning you. Mine eyes are upon you, and the eyes of your heavenly Father and the heavenly hosts, and all justified spirits made perfect are watching over you your works are manifest before the face of my servants who have sealed their testimony with their blood and before all my servants of the apostles whom i have taken unto myself page 146 Uh, anything to say I'm going to take that as a no.
4: I still have a lot of noise going on in the background, so keep going. You're doing a good job reading. Okay, that's good to know.
2: <laughs> okay, page 146. Man, we got, what, nine pages to go <laughs> until the next chapter. The veil is taken off or from off their faces, and they know your works. They await your coming when you have finished your testimony in the flesh. Therefore, be ye, faith, be ye faithful until I come. My coming is at the door. Revelations 1880 to 1890, a compilation maybe? Compiled? By Kraut, pp. Uh, 12 to 13. And one of the following verses in the same revelation makes it very clear who holds the keys. And while my servant John Taylor is your president, I wish to ask the rest of my servants of the apostles the question, Although you have one to preside over your quorum, which is the order of God in all generations, do you not, all of you, hold the apostleship, which is the highest authority ever given to men on earth? You do. Therefore, you hold in common the keys of the kingdom of God in all the world. Uh, I'm just going to say IBID, page 15, because that last uh, quote, which is where that's coming from, is really long. The Lord said the twelve hold the keys or held the keys of the kingdom in common, and although one person would preside over your quorum, they were all equal in authority as apostles, which is the highest authority ever given to men on earth. In other words, from at least April of 1844 to January of 1880, the Lord recognized the keys as being with the twelve apostles held in common. In July of 1843 the lord gave a revelation Known as section 132 Of the doctrine of covenants or Of the doctrine and covenants Wherein joseph was designated As the one man holding all the priesthood keys Which is the order of things in every dispensation Then a year later joseph conferred all but the keys Of the dispensation head Upon the twelve apostles Not just upon one of the apostles it couldn't be more clear, yet people seem so confused with many men claiming this to be this one man with all the keys. In fact, if they were all valid claims, there would be a very large quorum of one man. Only the prophet Joseph Smith was that one man who presided over everyone when he was alive and is still presiding over everyone in this day. All the rest of the keys have been passed down through, the order, or through others holding and honoring the priesthood. Mom, dad, anything to say?
5: No, go ahead.
2: No. Okay. I'm gonna continue then.
5: <clears throat>
2: Isn't it interesting that the eighteen eighty revelation was given to Wilford Woodruff, not present or President John Taylor, who was the church or the church president at the time doesn't this show that god recognized that all the twelve could function as prophets, seers, and revelators for the church even though one had been selected to preside some people become uh, enraptured with themselves and their supposed authority and think they are some great and noble soul who is to who is to hold all the keys, powers, and authority and titles thus bringing them personal recognition and honor many times these individuals gather followers who think so too however it is extreme folly and harmful to the kingdom of God as well as being dangerous for the people themselves even Joseph Smith warned that others claims about himself were incorrect and destructive hold on man I have like a cough I guess When Martin Harris was with Joseph Smith, he was continually trying to make the people of Israel believe that he, Joseph, was the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Genesis 49, uh, verses 22 to 24. I have heard Joseph chastise him severely for it, and he told me that such a course, if persisted in, would destroy the kingdom of God. Brigham Young, contributor, volume 10, page 3, or maybe it's chapter 10, verse 3, I think. Okay, I want to
3: you to read that. I want you to read that
2: quote again, then I'm going to say something. When Martin Harris was with Joseph Smith, he was continually trying to make the people believe that he, Joseph, was the shepherd, the stone of Israel, Genesis 49, 22-24. Uh, to 24. I have heard Joseph chastise him severely for it, and he told me that such a course, if persisted in, would destroy the kingdom of God. Brigham Young Contributor 10.3 In Isaiah chapter 49,
3: Yaakov, or Jacob, is giving a blessing to Joseph. And he talks about the stone and shepherd of Joseph, or of Israel. Now, Israel's name was placed upon uh, upon Joseph, okay? This is talking about Messiah ben Joseph. It's not talking about Jesus Christ, that's Messiah ben Judah. Jesus Christ is the stone and shepherd of Judah. There are two witnesses of the Father spoken of in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 14. That is Messiah ben Judah and Messiah ben Joseph. Joseph Smith is telling Brigham Young not to say that Joseph Smith is Messiah ben Joseph because he wasn't. He's not. He's an Elias of the Messiah Ben Joseph. Anyway, go ahead, Emma.
2: Okay, I'm going to continue then. Um, so there was that quote, yeah. Claiming to be more than you are is far worse than claiming to be less. Abe Lincoln made an interesting statement when he said he loved his enemies because they always told him his faults, and his friends wouldn't. To admonish is better than to phrase. Uh, Page
5: 148.
3: Anything to say? No, just keep on reading. There's still a lot to go through, and we only have 12 minutes left in the live streaming portion of the radio program, so we need to get to a place where we can start a part two tomorrow. So if you find a good place to stop, uh, section heading.
2: Then, uh, I we'll got one there. of those in we'll like, stop. I've got one of those in like a paragraph and a half. Okay, the, pattern the Lord reveals right, in heaven oh, okay, the pattern the Lord reveals in heavenly things is often the same as the pattern He has revealed pertaining to earthly things. This pattern was first given regarding the Godhead of the three or of three: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost with only god as the presiding officer next we see the presidency of the church with one presiding head then there is a senior apostle of the quorum of the twelve one president of a stake and one bishop of ward even most businesses follow a similar organizational pattern with one senator or one senior executive officer even two heads in a family does not function properly And there is only one head of a dispensation One man who holds all the priesthood keys And for this dispensation of the fullness of times It is Joseph Smith And that is the end of that section And the beginning of Joseph Smith Holds these keys forever Uh, I guess that's where we're stopping Um, If you want to call in The call in number is 917-889-8827 And I think I'm just going to read a page into this and see if there's any callers. And guys, yeah, uh just saying the guest call in number is nine one seven eight eight nine eight eight two seven. Uh do
4: you have something to say? Uh-huh. Okay. Um so a lot of the time um people it's really easy, like what they were saying, it's easy to point out faults like the people who were against Um, the earlier leaders of the church, uh, it was just easier for them to know what they were doing wrong because people would always point that out all the time. And um, that's so much easier than to, um, you know, say what they were doing right and doing a good job at. Um, But where I was going with this is that a lot of times in the earlier church, we know that there were certain things that were done or that were not done, um, and it created the church to go into apostasy. And um, we knew uh from quotes earlier um, from Joseph Smith that uh, the church would be led astray by the seventh president of the church. And um, we know that... Um, they were rejected as a church with their dead, as it was prophesied, or as it was stated in B and C, because of the things that they did not do, not building the temple whereby the Most High can come and restore that which was lost unto them. Um, and where it gets difficult and hard is because you think about the history of it and the people coming, you know, coming out to um, Utah and uh, over the Rocky Mountains, and they. A lot of people died. uh, They went through a lot of trials and tribulations um, while they were cursed and trying to move out west. Um, But then you come out here and there are things that were um, done that the Lord still did for them and and helped them, um, though they were rejected. And so it creates like this uh, difficulty with deciphering, well, were they actually rejected? Were they not rejected? Um, and so that's what I was going to talk a little bit about is that, um, yes, they did get rejected, but God, um, though, like with Moses, though his people were wandering around for 40 years in the desert, um, and they were going through different trials and tribulations, God still helped them, you know, and fed them manna and, um, was still with them. And or they were you know led by a uh, pillar of fire you know and god was with them so um it's kind it's not really the same actually but it's kind of the same in that um the people they were rejected with their dead but there was still the you know the commandments were still there um the revelations were still there and even today uh, the the command to, um, build the temple, uh, was not rescinded. It wasn't taken away. So, um, God always gives us, he's always there and waiting and gives us the opportunity to, uh, repent, to turn back to him and to do the things that he has asked us to do. And, um, he's willing to meet us more than halfway. He's trying to help us. We just need to get there. We, We want to bring about the kingdom of God, but is our action saying that, or is it just our words? What are we doing to actively um, try to do that and be there as a people? Um, Anyway, so I was just um, thinking about that uh, before while Mark was talking also, and I wanted to say something, but then um, my phone dropped and I got hung up on, I don't know, uh, and it kept doing that. So I was thinking maybe I'm supposed to say what I was thinking about at that time, and that's why I was. I'm coming back in with just talking about that a little bit, um, because, you know, it is difficult. We can point out all the things that the lead, early leaders did wrong, but the, the thing about history is why do we need to know history and not change history? Why do we need to take it as it is and not try to hide and cover up the stupid things that people did before? That's because it's a learning tool. It's to learn what you should not do. It's to learn what does work or does not work. But if you are... Hiding history, if you are changing it to fit your own needs and your own um, agenda, then it's not helping anybody out. It You know, it's, it's selfish is what it is. History is there so that we can learn um, of the past and learn things that we should not do now, the things that we should be doing now, um, and also... You know, you don't just learn by what, that which you suffer. If you're smart, you can actually learn from your your elders and your ancestors in the past, right. and then maybe we could finally get the get it done right and you know have the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven if we would do all the things that God has commanded. But so what um, I see people doing, yeah,
3: yeah, what I see people doing is they know all of these things that we're talking about. And they don't do anything about it. they don't put their words to action. You know they'll talk all about all of these things, but when, when somebody says, "Well, let's do this," they're only going to do it the way they want to do it, which is the Cain principle, and uh, or they're just not going to do anything at all, which is what every which is what most of the people do. So
4: um, I think, oh, um, I'll just sit here uh, and wait to see what happens. Let's just let's just give it a little bit and wait to see what other people do. Let's just be and I'll just be part of it if other people do something. Yeah. So, um,
3: I put on a couple of things. Um, now if you want to keep talking, that's great. If not, I'm going into the void for about three, four minutes. And I did I started I did a recording today. Um, but I don't know how well it's gonna be, but I'm gonna test it out. See if we can hear it good enough, or if not, I'll have to redo it. But if there's more that you want to say, then great. If not, Emmett, um, if I break up or whatever, um, just do be ye clean. End of program for zero seven twenty twenty one, and then uh, you know, if you guys want to keep talking, that's great. Call in number still available. Okay. If you want to call in. But if not, go ahead and start that audio, uh, that last recording.
4: I just wanted to to say what I was talking about, because for some reason, when I was about to talk about it or say something about all that that I was thinking about, my phone dropped. So then I was like, I might as well get back on. And as soon as you guys unmuted me, then I could talk about it. So I'm good, though. I just figured I'd say what I thought. And and now we can listen to the end of program music (laughs) or... uh, you know, audio that you had already played or prepared for now.
2: Okay, so be a queen, end of program. Uh, there's two of those. They both have the same number and they're both the same length. So I'm just going to play number two. 1
6: King Kings 9, 3, it says, And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house, he's talking to Solomon, which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Temple worship is where God put his name forever. The Temple mountain Jerusalem is still there. And we've looked at it before in the mountains above Jerusalem. His name is spelled out, yod heh vav from the south to the north, in the mountains, in Babylonian Hebrew, because he knew we'd see it in satellite times he didn't write it in paleo because we might not have picked it up but he knew we would know modern hebrew when we'd have the technology to see it so he put it there for us to see his name is literally in the mountains of israel right above jerusalem it's going to be there forever at least until this earth is melted away and then he's here in the flesh first corinthians 3:17 talks about, it. if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And again, 1 Corinthians six nineteen, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to Him. We've been bought. We're no longer our own. Our bodies are a memorial of the new covenant. And we're not to defile them. We are to keep them holy for Yahweh. This is our responsibility. We have a job to do if we want to remain in this covenant. Getting a tattoo after being born again of the Spirit will indeed defile the temple of the Holy Spirit. We see this from Leviticus 19, verse 1. It says, Yahweh spoke to Moses and said, Speak to the whole community of Israelites and say, Speak to the whole community of Israelites and say, Be holy, for I, Yahweh, your God, am holy. I put my phone on silent. I forgot to have everybody silence their cell phones. And I got a call trying to come in from Pakistan. He's gonna to have to wait. All right. <clears throat> Speak to the whole community of Israelites and say, Be holy. For I, Yahweh, your God, am holy. That's our commandment. We are responsible for remaining holy. He does not make us holy. He does in spirit. When we're born again, we're a new creation, but we're commanded to keep ourselves holy. And then he goes on in verse 28 and says, You will not gash your bodies when someone dies, and you will not tattoo yourselves. I am Yahweh. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. This is the instructions of our God to his possession, his temple, that we're supposed to keep holy, that we're supposed to take care of. So this commandment was given as instructions as how to remain holy. Satan's plan is to get us to defile ourselves by violation of Yahweh's instructions, His Torah. 1 Corinthians 13, 6, or 3.6 again, 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. This is a pretty scary warning, and this is written to believers. If anybody defiles the temple of God, him will God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You're responsible for keeping the temple holy. So we just saw that tattoos will defile our bodies and will bring destruction. if done after the new birth. If we're disobedient and rebellious and get tattoos after he told us not to, we're going to have to deal with the consequences. Now what are some of the other tricks that Hasatan tries to get people to defile themselves with? Deuteronomy 14.2. Says, for you are a holy people to Yahweh your God and Yahweh has chosen you to be a people for himself a special treasure above all peoples who are on the face of the earth you shall not eat any detestable thing because you're a holy people he said you're not to eat garbage you're only to eat the food he's created for food because if you don't, if you eat something different it will defile the temple of the Holy Spirit because it's detestable he just said it's a detestable thing, don't eat it what? Look at Leviticus 11:7. And the swine, though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. Their flesh, you shall not eat. Is that pretty clear? Don't eat pig, he says. Their carcasses, you will not touch. So obviously, once it's made into leather, it's not a carcass anymore, because we see some kind of an unclean animal uses the outer covering, porpoise or dugong or whatever badger, depends on the translation. So obviously, to process it, you would have to wear gloves, so you're not touching the carcass, because that would be disobedient if you did. But once it's processed in the leather, it's no longer the carcass. The carcass, I guess, is what the maggots and stuff want to eat, the flies gather around. So that's what we're not supposed to touch, what brings disease. This is a book of health as well. There's reasons behind this stuff. They are unclean to you. The animals, he says, unclean, guess what? They're still unclean. He didn't recreate the pig when Peter had a vision. It's still unclean. It still has parasites. Any doctor that studied this will know this. It's still an abomination to Yahweh. They are unclean to you. Verse 9, These you may eat of all that are in the water, whatever in the water has fins and scales, whether in the sea or in the rivers that you may eat. Guess what? Catfish doesn't have fins or scales. Lobster, shrimp, these do not have fins or scales. Crabs, all these other things, no fins, no scales. Don't eat them. They're garbage. Like pigs, they eat the trash in the water. The pigs eat the trash on land. They're garbage disposals. You're not supposed to eat garbage disposals. But all in the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water of any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. They should be. They're an abomination to God, and if you eat it, you become an abomination too, because we're going to look at this real quick and see his attitude towards those that violate this particular commandment, because Satan's trying to make you unholy. They shall be an abomination to you. You shall not eat their flesh, but you shall regard their carcasses as an abomination. Pretty clear in English, pretty clear in Hebrew if you want to read it in Hebrew too. Unclean animals are an abomination to us according to Yahweh. This is His word. This is not my opinion. This is not the opinion of some Jews that decided to make up a bunch of extra rules. This is Yahweh writing this. So if we eat unclean animals, we're no longer holy. We're defiled. Now look at Isaiah 66. This is from the English Standard Version. Now remember whirlwind earlier? Yahweh talked about it in uh, Jeremiah chapter 30, I believe it was. For behold, Yahweh will come in fire. And his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger and fury and his rebuke with flames of fire this is not the fire of the holy spirit this is the bad kind that burns you up and you don't want this fire for by fire will yahweh enter into judgment and by his sword with all flesh and those slain by yahweh will be many who's he going to slay those who sanctify and purify themselves to go into the gardens following one in the midst, eating pig's flesh, and the abomination, and the mice shall come to an end together, declares Yahweh. You will be destroyed by Yahweh. If you're eating a ham sandwich when Yeshua comes back,
5: it's too
6: late for you. You can talk about Peter's vision all you want, but you're not going to have a head to talk out of, because he's taking it off. He's coming back in fury, because you wouldn't read the book. Remember the rich man and Lazarus? The rich man says, Lord, send Lazarus back to my brothers. So that they won't come to this place of torment. Abraham had to say, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, they're not going to hear if one comes back from the dead. If you don't read it now and obey, there's no hope for you. It's in the book. Read it. It's in black and white. And it's there because Yahweh doesn't want to have to do this. He wants you to see it. He wants you to be warned. He's given us instructions for our good always. Yahweh won't keep us holy. This is our decision to make. He tells us to stay holy. He gives us the command. He makes us holy in spirit. When we're born again, we are recreated in spirit. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. But then in Romans 12.1, he says, I beseech you. I heartily request. This is Paul talking because He knows what's going to happen if we don't do it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, like Yahweh requires, acceptable to God. That means no pig coming out of your mouth, no tattoos on your body, which is your reasonable service. Do you really love Yahweh? Can you prove it to Him? He wants you to show Him that you love Him by presenting your body as a living sacrifice. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's not going to do it for you. You have to get in the book. You have to meditate in the Torah day and night. This is our responsibility, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when we're born again, we're made new in spirit by Yahweh. We have nothing to do with that. We can't earn it. We can't manipulate Him into doing it. We have to do it by faith. It's a gift of God. He wants to give it to us. We have to accept it freely. We can't earn it. We can't do anything to work for it. It's by grace through faith. It's not of our own works. Now we're going to be judged by our works according to Yeshua and Revelation. You read all those letters in the book of Revelation to Ephesus, to to Pergamos, all those lies, Laodicea, Thyatira. We're going to be judged by our works. This is the assemblies he's talking to. And he says, unless you repent, go back and do your first works, I'm going to remove your candlestick to an assembly and then in the great white throne judgment it says the books were open and all that stood before him were judged according to their works that were written in the books. Your works are being recorded and if your works are disobedience to his Torah it's being recorded. If you're eating swine's flesh it's being recorded. Doesn't matter how many people you raised from the dead and how many bodies you healed. If you're doing the things that are an abomination to Yahweh, He's going to judge you and you're not going to like the judgment. He is trying to warn you before we get to that point. Repent. Return. Follow every word like Yeshua did for our example. He's the prototype. Do what He did. Don't worry about doing what He didn't do. Do what He did, though, in everything. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. devil. But follow the Torah. Love the Father the way Yeshua loved the Father. He wasn't trying to earn salvation. He's God in the flesh. You can't get any more saved than that. He's setting an example of how we're to love the Father by what He set up in His throne room. Follow the pattern of what He chooses. It's a no-brainer. We've got Yeshua the prototype. We've got the picture of what Moses set up from what he got in the throne room. Not Old Covenant. That is a lie from Satan. That page that says Old Covenant before Genesis 1:1. It's not in any manuscript ever found in any dig, not at Qumran, not in any of the Dead Sea Scrolls, not in any Vatican library or anything. It's not in the original. It was added by men inspired by the devil to steal the living Word of God from you, the one that Yeshua defeated the top guy with, Deuteronomy. Satan doesn't want you reading that book because it's powerful and he does not like it. But so he tried to get you not to read it by saying it's old and antiquated. Oh, we need to read the New Covenant, that page written before Matthew 1:1 Not in any Greek manuscript anywhere. Never was there. Added by men, inspired by the devil. To steal the Word of God. And just to keep the commentary. The New Covenant is commentary. It's, it's all inspired. It needs to be there, but you can't understand it without the Word that it's commenting on. you got to have the whole book. And Satan doesn't want you reading the whole book. He wants you reading bits and pieces, because you'll never understand the bigger picture if that's all you're doing. Yahweh wants you to know his heart. He wants you to know what motivates him, what he's doing in these last days, what his plan is. It's not about a church. There's no such thing. It's not about Gentiles. They have to die To be born again. It's about Israel. It's about Judah. So the enemy's strategy is to get us to defile ourselves so Yahweh has to reject us. Yahweh recreates our spirits, but it's our job to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We have to renew our minds through His Word. Salvation is a process. Look at Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, as part of the salvation, obedience, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How many Christians are out there fearing and trembling right now? Because God told us to do it. If you want to be saved, you've got to work it out with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. What He writes in your heart. Follow what He wrote in your heart. Follow His Torah. You put it in your mind. You put it in your heart. He's in you to do His good pleasure. That's His good pleasure. What He internalized. That's what He wants. It's patterned after what He's doing in His throne room. Why do we not see this? We've been lied to for too long. God's good pleasure does not change from covenant to covenant. And one covenant doesn't wipe out another. It adds on to it. And it becomes more and more harder as we go along. The new covenant includes everything that was given before and then some. You can't just not have sex with your neighbor's wife. You can't even look at her to lust after her. you committed adultery already. You can't cup it. I mean, you've already stolen, basically, if you've done that. You can't hate your brother without a cause because you're a murderer if you do that. He's made it more difficult. So we still have to follow all the covenants, and they all have benefits, though it's not a bad thing because we get rewarded when we do it, but we need to understand it. There are multiple covenants that He wants us to walk in if we want all that He has for us. And He wants to bless us with everything. Yeshua paid a great price for us to be able to walk in this. We need to embrace all of it. God's good pleasure is what we obey, that we obey all of his instructions contained in his word. Following Yeshua as our example. If he did it, let's do it. If he didn't do it, don't worry about it. Yeshua never kept Christmas. Yeshua never kept Easter. Easter is the name of the goddess of fertility from paganism. They didn't even change the name on that one. And you think God's pleased with that? I don't think so. Yeshua did not do it, and he would have despised it if that even suggested it. It's garbage. It is not pleasing to Yahweh. Do what Yeshua did. There are holy days that Yeshua kept. They're in Leviticus 23. You can read about all of them and do what He did. Because that's what shows love to the Father. That's part of what you consider the ceremonial parts of the law. But that's what the Father wants us to do to show our love to Him. May we all work out our salvation so that we'll all hear, Well done, my good and faithful servant." That's what He wants to be able to say to us. He's longing for us to walk in obedience. He's given us everything. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us His Word. He's given us the example of Yeshua. We just have to say, yes, Lord. And just like Nike said, just do it. Let's pray. Father, we come before You right now by the precious blood of the Lamb. On this, Your holy Shabbat, what an honor it is to love You in the way we know is pleasing to You. Your holy day that we can come together and have the holy convocation that you desire and that you commanded in your word. Father, I thank you for your great love we with you've loved us. While we were yet sinners, you sent Yeshua to die for us. We didn't deserve it. You loved us enough to do it anyway. You created us in your image and your likeness to be your friend. You breathed a breath of life into us. And then you asked us to follow you. Father, may, may we make that decision daily, taking up our cross to follow you. I thank you that you've made us a kingdom of priests, Father. I thank you for the blessing on your people, Israel. Yahweh Yahweh Yehuneha Yisah Yahweh, Penabe Lecha, Vayasim Lecha, Shalom. May Yahweh bless you and keep you. May Yahweh make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Yahweh lift up His countenance towards you and give you His peace, His shalom. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. Amen and amen.
2: You are dismissed. Okay, well that was a thing.